Welcome to Spread Talk with Pam and John, also known as The Calm, Before the Storm. Our purpose is to elevate the conversation and amplify special education resources. And our why is about making the impossible possible. Listen, man, we are super excited. I mean, I feel like in many ways, this is the beginning of something and it's the culmination of a lot of hard work over the past multiple years with a liaison project and with the autonomy that that you know TEA Justin yourself and Jennifer you moving into that role as as the special ed liaison lead the director of all things ESC <laughs> at TEA right and so the fact that Pam and I have been allowed to you know continue to 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 foster this this idea of looking for the positives uh out there you know I think we just feel very blessed and so I feel like this is going to be a great episode. I know, Pam, you better make me stop talking because I'll get going. Yes, I know, John. So let's talk about who's in the room. So if you could take a few minutes to introduce yourself. Who do we want to start with? Whoever wants to go first. Well, my name's John. I, I'm, I'm part of this podcast thing, and I've been here since the beginning, but I, I don't know what that means, but I am excited to be here and be have more voices around the table these days, and so uh, I'm from ESC Region 12, Special Ed Liaison, and I'm going to leave it at that. I'm Lydia Bartlett. I'm with Region 3. I'm a TA Liaison. My name is Jen DeLeon. I'm also a SPED liaison with Region 17, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. And I'm Pam Humphrey. I'm with ESC uh, Region 11, uh, uh, Special Education Liaisons. I've been here with John from the beginning. I'm Justin Porter, State Director for Special Education. Uh, I've met all of you all before, I think, except Lydia. I'm not sure if I met you, but um, nice to meet you. And I'm Jennifer Patterson, uh, Director of Special Education ESC Support, and I manage the ESC Liaison Grant Initiative, and I was one of the original liaisons four years ago. Way back in the day. One of the OGs, right? That's right. That's right. Well, listen, we are super excited uh, to have Jennifer, yourself, and Justin on today. Um, You know, I don't know if I need to call Justin Dr. Porter and and go the formal route or if we just do the Justin thing. I know in, uh, you know, I want to say that Dr. Porter, Justin, was maybe the first guest we ever had on SPED Talk uh, outside of Pam and I just rambling on in our first episode as we tried to figure this thing out, which we're still doing. But to have uh, Justin back now, uh, kind of at the end of season three, beginning of season four, some of the momentum that's gaining around the state with the liaison project, as well as really you know, RDA and and the cyclical monitoring and just really a lot of positives that are coming out of this. So I'm super excited to have you guys on. I won't speak for the rest of the team. I'll let them jump in and do that. So I'll be quiet now. It is great to have Justin back with us. And I was just thinking about, John, when you and I floated the idea of a podcast, we were at uh, TA at the Congress building and we said, we're going to do a podcast. And Justin said, Pam and John. And I saw the look (laughs) on his face like, are y'all really sure? <laughs> like, the odd couple? The odd couple family? The, the oddest couple that was in the room, yes. <laughs> Probably the perfect match. I'll second that. It's so, been a joy listening to the podcast and hearing how the two of you oh, bounce yeah. off of each other. It's been 
it's been very fun knowing that I know you and I see your faces and I hear it behind the voices. So I always just think about what it's like to be in one of these. And now I'm finding out. Trying to keep all of their ideas. I mean, when they start talking, when we get into our, our weekly meetings, I mean, we've got ideas popcorning literally left and right and up and down. And it's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. I've got to get all of this down on paper so that we can come back to those. It's like, slow down, stop talking. Let me get everything down. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It has been a yeah. lot of fun. And the thing is that Pam, I love, love, love. I love all of these guys, but where John talks, Pam talks actually just as much. So don't really, you. <laughs> I'm not sure that's quite true, but <laughs> what it is, is when Pam talks, she has something to say that is and true. it matters and people that pay attention. True. I tend to talk in circles, which sometimes is entertaining. And at, at times I have something important to say, but yes, as Evan has said, you have to learn how to speak John. And when you do that, then it all makes sense. So oh, I have a question for Justin. You know, since you've been in the role of special education director, tell us what's been your biggest aha. Oof. <laughs> that's a tough one i know you start out uh, i hope they I get easier after this we didn't have that one on the list <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think i mean this is probably not going to be of a ton of interest to uh to listeners but just the uh amount of uh time that's spent going back and forth with the federal government on what should be seemingly straightforward things uh is 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 a little bit mind-boggling the amount of time that is spent in that 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 is, was a huge aha um you would think the idea has not been reauthorized for quite some time it's it's very stable piece of legislation um you would think that the implementation piece would, would also be stable with with regards to the feds and how they uh, conduct their monitoring activities and things like that. But uh, there, with changes in leadership and changes in staffing in different places, there's different interpretations and different expectations of states. And so uh, that has been a constant sort of um, source of, of just learning and causing me to be flexible and causing me to make sure that, uh, that our folks and everyone that works at the agency and then by extension at the ESC is that we have uh, as much of the information in as palatable or as understandable a format as possible what the expectations are from the feds. And so that, that's been a big, uh, a big aha for me. In my previous roles, um, I was more on the other side of, of implementing things and working sort of uh, in LEAs and making things happen there uh, rather than sort of trying to uh, provide guidance and wade through a lot of the information coming through the feds and distill it into something that can make sense to folks who are in the trenches trying to actually make it happen. So like I said, probably not super, <laughs> super exciting or interesting to people, but I never expected to spend that much of my, as much of my time doing that as I, as I currently do. So um, you know, the things that I are were really not ahas, but it were just like affirmations are uh, the continuously the amount of people uh, and the amount of dedication that you see uh, displayed for everywhere from classroom teachers to district administrators to ESCs to, to, to everyone, the amount of dedication to, to kids and to um, doing what's right for kids and to making sure that, um, that what we're doing is helpful and uh, in, in moving kids in the right direction and families as well. So, I mean, that's, you know, that was always 
you know, definitely something uh, when I was working in a district and working in other, other capacities, always felt that, but then just to see it at the state level, um, you know, the, it's unfortunate, but good news doesn't really make the news. We know that. And so, so we don't hear in, in the Houston Chronicle or the Dallas Morning News very often when things are going really well for kids. And so uh, we get to hear about that sometimes in my job and it, it's what makes it all, uh, you know, sort of worth doing. And uh, those things that are challenges are not quite as big a challenge when you talk to folks who are actually making a difference for kids. So not really an aha there, but definitely um, an affirmation of things that I had always suspected. Kind of one of the things that we'd wanted to talk about was the evolution of the liaison. So how the liaisons came to be and from the point where we are now, what are your thoughts on, on the evolution of the liaison role from the beginning to where we are now? Yeah, and Jennifer, jump in on this too, because you have some good insights in this area, and I would love to flesh those out as well. Yeah, I can talk a little bit about, I'll talk a little bit about uh, the inception and sort of the original ideas and where we started, and then I'll turn it over to Jen, because um, she jumped in right after that uh, and carried the project forward uh, expertly. So um, when we were originally drafting a strategic plan for special education in Texas, uh, we had started that process. A lot of people think that the um, that the letter of findings and, and the corrective action that we received from the federal government was the impetus for that. We had started this process um, months and months before any of that actually, before even the articles in the Houston Chronicle that sort of started a lot of that even came out. We had started the process of really looking at special ed in Texas and how can we think about it differently from the state level and how can we support the work of LEAs differently from the state level. And so we had toyed around with the idea of some sort of a, a, a person who was more connected to TEA but also lived and breathed in the ESCs and by connection to that with, with the districts and so our, our LEAs. And so, you know, we have great, every one of our ESCs, all 20 of them have fantastic directors of special education. They're great folks, um, but they have, a, they have a day job. Like that is not necessarily just interacting with TEA and then, um, but to have somebody that that's really what their role is, is to be out in districts and sort of bringing stuff directly from TEA perspective to them. And so we talked about the need for that and what it could look like. Uh, and then uh, as we were sort of noodling on that internally and having discussions with some external stakeholders, then the thing started happening with, with the feds and the, the corrective action came out and the need for, um, we had already also been discussing uh, revamping the monitoring system, but then just um, the, the, the feds sort of put an acute need there uh, for us to uh, ramp up the monitoring system. And so then this idea of having a position that's uh, funded from the state level the TA actually has um, quite a bit of uh, oversight over, but works at the ESC, is employed by the ESC. That seemed to be a natural fit to support this monitoring system and support LEAs. A lot of people uh, may or may not know that the ESCs are um, actually precluded by statute from, from being monitors. They're not allowed to be monitors. The ESCs exist to support LEAs, not to monitor or or, or um, hold them accountable for things. And so uh, that, that, which I think is a good system. I think that that's TEA's role. We're, we're here to, um, to provide supports, but also uh, to, you know, to, to monitor and ensure compliance. And so having that person at the ESC that's there, um, learning uh, what the needs are from the LEA, learning where they are, building trust and relationship with LEAs uh, so that they can then help support uh, the monitoring system uh, really is where that started. Um, and then from there, uh, it, that is still a foundational piece of the work that the liaisons do, but because of the uniqueness of this role, over time, we've been able to um, sort of 
uh, build out some really cool other stuff and, and allow enough flexibility in the system so that individual ESCs can use them a little differently. And I'll stop talking and defer to Jen now because I'm sure she's got lots to say about that. You know, thinking back to the the year that the original liaisons started four years ago, and I was the uh, liaison for Region 13 um, housed in Austin, there was there was a lot of things that were um, kind of being built and developed at the same time between the new monitoring system and the liaison initiative. And so that that first year was a room for a lot of learning, but also very open to looking at above and beyond just compliance and and kind of entry level support, um, knowing that it was never going to be just simply monitoring, making sure you're compliant. That's the level of support that the liaisons give. I think that that first year where the monitoring system was still being refined and iterated, the liaisons had that that room, that gray area to to be transformational and to be kind of that outside the box systems level support for for um, district and charter leadership teams. So by the time we got to our second year, the monitoring system was pretty well ironed out, ready to go, ready to launch, and the liaisons had a much clearer understanding and and way to support the mon the monitoring side of things. And the lia the thing that's really great about the liaisons is that they know really deeply about the monitoring and they can support around it. A lot of pre-monitoring support, being there as a, a source of support during the monitoring, have being able to have those like what they call in the meetings after the meetings. So where they where somebody goes, what did that really mean? And you can put it in in like friendlier language, relational language, and then after the monitoring, when things come out of, of where corrections are needed, where development is needed, and then the liaisons are that instant glue to the service center and to the state about here's what's possible, here's some PD sources, here's some coaching support, here's what's available in the world of support. But knowing the monitoring system really deeply is where they get that strength in the supporting around it. So that's where year two started to really get that refinement. And since then, we've gotten better and better and better just at communicating the monitoring system, refining the monitoring system, and then also refining the support around the liaison. So that's probably their biggest role. But because we had that first year of being able to do things differently, we have held on to that idea that we support we, the liaisons, support, you know, assistant superintendents over federal programs. So there's some high level people that they get to interact with and support um, at, a, at a team's level. It's taking special ed, you know, out of the shadows at times and helping to break down some of those silos because of the, the self-assessment process that's going on, the need for cross-collaboration with the districts and the charters. So liaisons are really leveraged pretty heavily for that too. I'm really excited about it. My check-ins with all 20 of the service center liaisons, I get such great information on that, like you're talking about, Justin, that oversight, knowing what's happening at regional level, at the LEA level, so that we can stay connected to where where people feel the work on the ground keeps keeps us from getting too far away from what the needs of the the state are. So yeah, I love it. Yeah, Thank Jennifer, you. go ahead, Lydia, go ahead. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed is the amount of sustainability that our role has in the monitoring system to the school districts. Uh, being able to take the monitoring system and facilitate the application of it to the school districts so they can really sustain it and make it meaningful. Absolutely, Lydia, I think you nailed it. And I think it's kind of the beauty to this is 
I think TEA's insight in realizing when, even before, like Justin said, you know, kind of everything kind of blew up there for a little while in Texas around special ed, there were already conversations at the state agency. And, and I think some of that was going on even between the state agency and our ESCs that, hey, we have an idea. Like, what if we were to add additional supports and they and, and maybe we had boots on the ground and maybe it was someone that could share information back and forth and we could do a better job at the state agency you know listening as well as is, is sending out information and and then I think that kind of ebbed into like this idea of the liaison role and, and what that might become over time um, you know I, it's interesting when I look back on that 1718 school year I think many of us like you know building the plane, uh, while we fly it, just all these analogies. And, and, and yes, we were, I think, a little bit ahead of the game in being positioned, you know, as far as with the cyclical monitoring and the, you know, the RDA, the rollout and all that kind of following a little bit later. But I really feel like it gave TEA, ESCs and liaisons the opportunity to really take some risks and some chances and try some things and build some capital with uh, some of our LEAs around the state. And then I feel like that in some ways has been um, just catalyst for continued progress uh, over the last few years. I, I would echo that as well. I was, uh, you know, we, we, from some perspectives, we got, we did get a little bit of criticism about putting the liaison project in place before the monitoring system was up and running. But had we not done that, we wouldn't be where we are today with regard to how that group functions, the creativity that they, that they um, feel empowered to, to display and to utilize the whole idea around design thinking and all of that. None of that would have happened had we not uh, taken that first year to set things up the way that we did. And I think um, that that's sort of a one plus one is three and, and we would not have that, um, that secret sauce, that magic. If if that hadn't, if we hadn't had the opportunity to do that, this would have this would liaison role would be, I think, less of a partner, thought partner, uh, role and more of a PD. Here's this. We'll step you through that sort of role. Um, uh, had we had we waited a year to do that, so I think you know, like uh, I think that we made the right call, and I think that um, the uh, the amount of and, and, and frankly the the ESCs hired the right people. That that uh, that liaisons continue to amaze me even this year when we've added so many uh, just the type of the quality of the caliber of staff that are hired and attracted to that role and, and how they approach that work um, is impressive it's definitely impressive i also want to add on that one the the design thinking side of things which is where you get down and you dig into you meet people where they are and not where you think they should be you don't sit at a you don't sit at your desk and put together what you think is a plan and then present that plan and hope to make it work, make them agree to, to, to do it. And then when you walk away, all the work stops, like coming in and really, really digging into the needs based on observations and interviews and, and just sitting with them and, and in their space and letting them drive a lot of the conversations. By the time the work starts, they're already, you know, they're already committed to it. All you have to do is keep them, keep them focused, keep them motivated, find those those small wins at the beginning to keep them moving towards their goals. And when it's their goals, the work, you know, half the work is done. And I think that's where liaisons really have took that first year to really learn that. We came back through this year again with the addition of, of more liaisons across the state and we regrounded ourselves in the foundations of design thinking, but it permeates everything we do. The other thing that I think is so special about the liaisons is the fact that they, the initiative is designed to get them together regularly having collaborative conversations um, across regions where they they look at 
trends across the state and when they find something that is a common need they work together to resolve it for the good of the state and no, nobody is is the sole owner of anything there's no esc that owns a piece of the liaisons they work together for the benefit of everybody and that's always something that they hold very special the liaisons really hold that collaborative time as as sacred in that this is where this is where change happens at when you have a lot of smart people working on the same problems for the benefit of of the whole i'm i'm thrilled about that experience of being together and just collaborating both with each other and with tea people to get some feedback loops about what's going on across the state because in a minute you can find out every corner of the state how things are going down to the down to the person level it's fantastic so Jen, what is it like supervising a group of amazingly <laughs> creative individuals that vibrate at such a high frequency? How, what is that like? Oh, I've said from the beginning, we're like an adult GT class. Like we are, <laughs> we are a bunch of of driven, experienced, transformational thinkers, and you get those people together, and that's amazing synergy happens. And the fact that the dedication is front and center to um, improving outcomes for for students is what keeps anything from unraveling. Like there's there's never been I've never seen an experience where anything feels competitive. It's like if this helps, then we're in. And there's that dedication that that I have I have just grown to love. I think one of the great things about the liaisons is that they're so they're so collaborative that we kind of co-create the agendas as we get together and have our, our weeks together that as, as much as possible, I'm, I try to get liaisons, talking to other liaisons, sharing out the things that they're doing, getting in groups and talking through things that are going on. I think that really drives a, that, that continued synergy, even though, we aren't, even though we aren't meeting face-to-face this year, all of our meetings have been virtual, where before we were meeting face-to-face, -face, but we've been able to keep going and, and keep our, our weeks together and keep that collaboration strong. But it's the dedication of the liaisons that makes that happen. Yeah, Jen and I have a regular Friday afternoon meeting as part of as part of just our regular communication structure. And the Friday before liaison week, she's always pumped and excited to go for liaison week. And then it's like literally an hour <laughs> after the liaisons go, I meet with her and she's just like brain dead, Rash. mouth open, kind of yeah. like <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> yeah. I think my first, I think my first liaison week last two years ago, at the end of the week, I think I, I, w I was in the, the kitchen area just trying to make myself lunch because it was a noon end time. I go down and it was quiet for the first time all week. I go in there, I'm heating my, my microwave lunch up and all of a sudden the room starts spinning. <laughs> I almost passed <laughs> out. I was just like, all the adrenaline just dropped. Yeah. It was like I was on all week and it worked and <laughs> everybody made it. And then they all drove away and flew away. And I was just like, oh, I'm so tired. I survived. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, every I'll, every month it's like that. And then we start again the very next day building that agenda for the next month. Yeah, I feel like it's going to summer camp once a month. Mm -hmm. so Monday morning, we're going to summer camp. And then Friday afternoon, it's like we're going home mm -hmm. yeah. again. GT summer day. camp, though, a yeah. bunch of a bunch of brilliant, creative people who have an insane amount of energy. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you, you know, for, you know, I, I in some ways I, I just can't wait for, you know, the the newer liaisons that have joined us over the past year or so to have that opportunity to come together in person and to feel that energy in the room. And, you know, and, and I think that the Zoom room, I mean, it has done us well. We, we've managed mm -hmm. to um, to mitigate really some some 
difficulties during the time of COVID, right? And, and, and I think we've got some really positive takeaways from this and how we can leverage technologies and be more efficient in different ways. Some people working from home, some doing remote, this, that, the other. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like what started SPED Talk is us driving out to the Burleson Center and sitting with Joe Hinojosa, right? Us, you know, being in the room with other creative people that are passionate about the same kind of things we are and talking about how to move education forward and how to reinvent special education from a positive perspective, right? Not from that deficit mindset. It just, it, it, when you can bring these people together, it becomes magic. And I'll tell you, Jennifer, what you said uh, about that when you first took over as our, our, our cat wrangler or whatever it is, right? <laughs> you know, and, and you've done so amazing at that, right? And, but it's that energy wears you out, that creative energy. I would come together with this group and my hyperactivity and my, it was difficult for me. I would get up and have to walk at lunches just to keep myself sane <laughs> and the conversations and everything. But then I would leave exhausted. And the next day, I would wake up and it was just like fireworks in my head. The things, the, the, the dialogue, some of the disagreements, the discussions, the never negative, but just, just these passionate people with all of these great ideas coming together and meshing, you know, it really is inspiring. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back down to Austin soon. And, and hopefully I know, I know time will tell on some of this, but, but just, you know, good stuff. Yeah. The thing that I really like about the chance to get together, whether it's remote or face-to-face, especially for, for me and, and Justin, I don't want to speak for you, but thinking, thinking about when you can get in and actually watch the regional support to a single campus or a single district or a single charter where you're just watching it happen and just you feel, you almost feel like you're living vicariously through them because we're so far removed from the classrooms. You know, we all started as, you know, campus people. We, we remember what that felt like to have that real touch point. And the further up you go, the, the more removed you are. So I really appreciate this, the, that through the liaisons, we still have that line of sight to the great things that are happening those pockets of excellence, the things that people say, the promising practices, where you can actually like get to know somebody and get to see the impact it's having on on kids in schools. And so that's one of my favorite things about it, that we just have this window through having, you know, people in every region in the state to get us to the most far removed school and classroom and, and talk about where where the impact is happening. Justin, I have to say, I really appreciate the trust that your staff has in the liaison. Your staff has been amazing at preparing the materials for us in order to, for us to be able to be trained in what, in what they, how they want that delivered and for us to be able to do so. There's a level of confidence that we have going out and facilitating the initiatives from TEA and the monitoring system. So I do want to applaud you and your staff for that. Thanks for that. I, I won't take all that credit because uh, a good chunk of that comes from our review and support team and Dr. Jennifer Alexander leads that and, and um, Jennifer is uh, on her worst day is 10 times better than I, I am as far as organization on my best day. So she's uh, and, and her staff is great. They are in the technical assistance folks on my team. I know um, 
the the trust that you talk about, uh, Lydia, is has been earned. The the liaisons over the years have 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 proven that that is that they're worthy of that trust, and that we can really, while you know, uh, we we make a big deal about putting a TEA logo on something, but it's because it is a big deal. If the logo was on there, whoever's delivering that is speaking for TEA, um, and whatever gets screwed up is going to come back to TEA, right? And so, um, but but over the years, the liaisons have absolutely um, like earned that trust. And, and we, uh, like I said, the, the synergy that exists within that group and then within that group in TEA um, is very powerful stuff, good stuff. So I'll just make one little point and then drop it over to Jen because she's she is the, the brains behind all of this now. One of the things that continues to come out of liaisons in that synergy, a liaison project in that synergy are just um, responses to unmet needs that, uh, at, that at TEA we didn't really we, we weren't aware of, we didn't know was, was really an unmet need because the other systems that we have in place weren't picking this up. So there's, there's um, several things I could point to, but, um, but just some of the projects that have come out of this that the liaisons have gotten together and said, hey, we wanna do this because we're getting, we're hearing from lots of districts that they need X uh, and we've created X, here TEA, what do you think of it? Um, now let's try and figure out how we can scale that across the state. There's a couple of, of examples uh, of trainings that we're doing around significant disproportionality. Um, John has been working on a finance, uh, a finance cohort model of training or tr a cohort model of training uh, special education directors around around sped finance uh, and we're uh, he might think I've forgotten about it but I have not we're going to figure out a way to uh, to scale that across the state because that is definitely not a need we hear about all the time so for me it's just sort of like um, we have we have plans and ideas of where we want to go but then we've also got to leave space in this project um, for for things to just come up organically because they do and they're always high quality and they're always responsive to an unmet need that TEA lots of times was not acutely aware of. And so, uh, but with that, I'll turn it over to Jen because I know she's got lots of plans. Well, I think a lot of it is trying to just stay the course on, on supporting um, through and around the monitoring system, continue that partnership with the review and support team, um, keep, keep those lines of communication strong and even strengthening them so that there's proactive support um, transparent communication and always a feeling that that the support in review and support is there and and a lot of that support is is leveraged through the ESC liaisons and what they can bring to support the LEAs before and before during and after monitoring happens um, and I think just like just like Justin said leaving that space for those those cross-regional collaborative supports that can through your ability to connect with campus and district leaders, you know, at the at the point of, of need, getting in and digging in through their data, talking to their teams, being able to put put boots on the ground and and be in their space and learn from them, you're able to turn around support so much faster. And as we as we continue to meet as liaisons and learn like what's going on in your region, what's going on in your region, me too, let's get together and work on something where we have, you know, one one message that supports everybody instead of 10 different messages that say kind of sort of the same thing that that is a much 
a much faster connection than what TEA is able to put out in our development of resources. Yeah. So kind of learning from from that and then like like the technical assistance team always wants to know like what are the unmet needs that we need to build re that we need to build resources around and then picking the best of everything and pulling it into one consistent message but that comes from the regions up to the state and i think that's where i want to leave that room for that continued you know messaging up feedback up to tea of where the needs are it's a constant question from our technical assistance team what are the needs what needs to be built but then what gets built takes months so there so that what you do in the meantime is the prototyping mm -hmm. the iterating the mm -hmm. learning and then coming to to us at tea and saying this is working this is where we've tested this out and this is where we're finding that strength and this is where we're finding that movement so we can scale that and and replicate that and do and learn from what's what's happening really strongly i want to consider i want to continue that I can remember one thing when we started that first year was, you know, reimagining special education in Texas. And everything we've said so far is part of that reimagination that we're not doing the things the same way. You know, things have changed and and really working together to be more impactful and also meeting the needs of LEAs, which is most important. Yeah. It's just not more of the same. It's yeah. it's doing it differently. The liaisons get to do things differently, and that's my favorite thing. Yeah, that that is that is I think up up front, and and many of us I think realize that is that it's it's always been a privilege and a responsibility to kind of serve as a liaison since this thing has started because I think we've always those of us that have been blessed to come into this role over the past four years have realized when you get into this role like this is something different I'm not quite sure what it is <laughs> like I can't quite put my finger on it and it's a little different in every region you go to and and that is the beauty of the liaison role is that you know uh, TEA and and through your leadership Jennifer it's hey listen how do we flesh out the excellence in each of our liaisons through their expertise but at the same time with a focus right with mm -hmm. a focus and and that has been i think really the the strong suit to the, the liaison project you know you mentioned something a little while ago too and it makes me think it's kind of that back channel communication right we always have these formal f communication threads going out and then you know hey we got money, stuff coming back hey you you'd have to do a corrective action plan send us your work we'll respond to you and the liaisons are kind of that back channel communication we're out there we're able to share information we're able to go out provide support reports, spend more time than what some of our colleagues at the ESCs can because their plates are so filled as it is, they can't go out and spend a full day doing something, you know, that that maybe we can at times. And so just that nuanced approach to being able to provide supports kind of more embedded in nature, um, coaching, things like that really, I think is what makes the liaison role so unique in Texas. Um, and I think a lot of other states are going to pay attention to this. I think that the the work that we are doing is cutting edge. And I think that over time, uh, as it gets captured and, and as we start to see evidence of impact, kind of like we're seeing with uh, TEA uh, doubling the number of liaisons in the state. I mean, I don't, I don't know if maybe Jennifer, you saw that coming or, or Justin, but <laughs> we didn't like, we went from, okay, are we are earning our bread and butter? Like, are we good, you know, to, Hey, we're doing a good job. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I was like, is it time for me to put in my retirement paper? <laughs> <laughs> No, I will oh, say that you're not going anywhere, Miss Pam. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised when I heard that we were going to be able to 
grow the initiative. I took that as a huge indicator of of success and value across the state, and I'm glad that I'm glad that Justin recognized that. Um, one thing that has been kind of a double-edged sword about ESC liaisons is you have this group of very experienced, highly educated leaders coming together and getting this experience of synergy and this experience of all the high level training and information and then they get just gobbled up by districts and regions for these high level oh. positions yeah and it's like we, i think if it was linda hall from region four that first year who put it so beautifully as she always does she said that we didn't lose a liaison the state gained a high level leader yep. so like liaisons going on to bigger and better things has just become part of the story that you know we have a new crop not always it like the the turnover fortunately has slowed down a little bit for me but it's every every time somebody every time somebody goes it's it's a win for the state and so i'm i'm thrilled to be part of that story too even at a tiny level I was just going to say, okay, so you were talking about, well, I want to bring it back around because you were talking about all of these projects and the leadership uh, capacity and everything going on, John's project with the funding, the SD project that was, that, that you know, a group of liaisons got together to work on. And so there's so many things. So, uh, you know, desk review checklists and, you know, we're looking at I'm trying to think of some of the other projects, SFCE project that we've got going on. And then, of course, we come back to SPED Talk, which is different from what every other project uh, that, that everybody is working on. And so when Pam and John put together this SPED Talk project, you know, we've talked about and we've kind of made fun of. But what were your thoughts and ideas behind the SPED Talk project and what did you think that would come to did you did you envision it growing to what what it is today don't answer are you that asking us or john don't answer <laughs> that honestly i think she's I, asking y'all i'm asking you guys uh, pam and john I'll, I'll get to them here in just a few minutes <laughs> I'm, I'm asking jennifer and, and justin at the moment well justin's the podcast fan so i'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> let him talk about that i just uh, on my end it was one of several cross regional collaborative ideas that were happening and i i've told liaisons ever since i got into this position i'm a yes until i can't be so if you've got something you want to try go for it and you know it's it's just been this this beautiful project that's been able to continue what i really love that's happening is you've you've kind of through this through growing the group that's the sped talk group you have only gotten better at being the sped talk group in that you're asking for ideas you're going out and saying what do you want to see in the in the next episode so you're getting a lot more of that buy-in from your your listeners which i think is the next the next evolution of 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 this project and again you've been able to cover all of the networks like being able to to share that the great things that are happening through all of the statewide initiatives that are going on um bringing in some really great stories like the burleson center like cammy dodd like these are just great stories that need to go out the focus the whole time was elevating the conversation talking about the great things that are happening across the state bringing the good news in to the to the story and i'm going to support that every time i can but i'm not a podcast person but justin is so I'm going to tell, let him say what he thinks of it. Well, you know, um, 
just again, uh, SPED talk, it was the response to an unmet need, like like in, in John and Pam came up with a very creative way of, of meeting that need of keeping a conversation out there in, in the space um, that was not just um, a, a TEA branded uh, PowerPoint that's delivered or a recorded webinar that's just, you know, like very dry TEA slides full of information. Um, it it's it's interactive and it's engaging and it's and it's timely um, a way for for folks across the state to really tune in and and sort of get a get a good idea of of the pulse of what what's happening at the state level in special education because nothing like that existed before not in uh, not in a in a very consumable way and you know podcasts like uh, Jen <laughs> she's not a podcast person but um, I, you know I like that's that's how lots of folks are getting lots of information now through podcasts because um, the, the days of listening to live radio are, are kind of, as we get more into Hulu and Netflix and being used to hearing about and seeing what we want to see when we want to see it, uh, folks are moving further and further away from a live broadcast where you have to, where you have to listen to, or listen or tune in to what's been provided to you. Um, and as our brains sort of get more adjusted to that, I think podcasts are just going to grow because, um, you know, folks are still sitting in cars and commuting and they're still doing different things when they've got time where they could be listening to something that they're interested in. Uh, and it might be, uh, I'm, I'm personally very thankful that they're listening to sped talk instead of the morning zoo at some local radio station, <laughs> you know, just a way to engage in conversation and, uh, and, and, and hear what some of the great things are that are happening across the state. Hey, Pam, my next question is for you. So I know, you know, you were, you are definitely the calm before the storm. And so you talk about having to come out of your comfort zone uh, when, when you and John first created SPED Talk. Um, how has that evolved for you? Well, I, I think I was comfortable with, with uh, the, the, actually the concept of the podcast really was mine. And it really came about because I was tired of repeating myself on, on graduation options. <laughs> to be really honest with you, because I thought if I can record something and just put it somewhere, so anybody had a question about special education, graduation option in Texas, they can go listen to it. So I don't have to keep repeating myself. But then, uh, and I've never recorded that, so I don't know. Uh, then John and I, we would spend a lot of time together during our meetings. It was one of those strange combination of two people who, who, who really seemed so totally opposite of each other but yet there's a lot of things were more in common. And I'd ask him about doing, a, you know, if he ever did a podcast and he said, no, and we really waited a year before we really sat down and really thought about how to do it. And I, and so he came to me and said, were you on the podcast? I said, well, I don't know. I, I know there's a guy here at Region 11 does podcasts. I can ask him. And that's really how that got started. I came back to Region 11 and I talked with Brian he assured me that we could do it, and John came in, and at the time, Amy, who was at Region 9 in Wichita Falls, came to Region 11, and we sat down one morning, hashed it out, recorded our first podcast. Brian listened to it and said, okay, <laughs> kind of rough, <laughs> kind of rough, and uh, he made some suggestions, and John did the editing, and then we just kept moving forward. We just kept thinking okay, we're not sure exactly what we're doing, but it really came from a place. I, I am a special ed person. I've never done anything else in my life before, you know, for his job, why my professional life, but special education. It was never, you know, moving to special ed because of something. It was just, I started, went to college, 
got my degree, special ed teacher, been working at ESCs. And, and I just knew within my heart, good things were happening in schools. You know, I've worked with good teachers. I've seen exceptional kids, but yet none of that was being heard. No story other than the negatives were out there. And it was just part of that level of frustration that I was thinking, you know, my work cannot be in vain, you know, and other teachers work can't be in vain. You know, you just can't keep every day, you know, if, if it's the Houston Chronicle or our other newspaper, you know, you sit there and think, oh man, you know, it can't be all bad. And that was probably more my motivation because even although I'm somewhat more of an introvert, but when I'm motivated to prove a point, <laughs> you know, that, that just sits aside, you know, I can work through that. And, and it was really about going out, finding people, hearing stories, sharing what's going on, you know, even with the uh, different network at the agency, I knew a lot about that because I'd been, I've been on the, I was on the transition network when it first started. And then I was a state lead for parent, for the parent coordination network. So I, you know, had a sense about what TA was doing and has been doing in for in the area of parent, the parent involved in special education as well as a transition. And then also being familiar with the other networks prior to the changeover. So it's like knowing what has occurred, but yet also knowing very, uh, very few people knew, or it wasn't getting a justice, there wasn't any space because nobody was taking the time to really, really capture all the good things that were occurring. And that became, you know, like I said, my motivation. And then John, who's the tigger to my Winnie the Pooh. Uh, <laughs> I'll like, accept that. Okay. <laughs> uh, was on board. And I thought, okay, so we're, where I'm a little bit more reserved, he's not. And that's where the good balance comes because he can do the things that I'm probably not most comfortable doing. And that really has made this work with us. And yeah. neither one of us really have big egos. So it's kind of like, okay. We're not the important ones here, right? We're just up here trying to make it entertaining enough that we can capture someone's attention long enough that we can get other people out there, their stories, the information, the ideas, because the, Texas is filled with exceptional people doing exceptional things for exceptional kids. It's, well, it's, and that's, it's, that's yeah. where the liaison thing comes back into it because mm -hmm. so many of the great interviews and stories that you've been able to capture have been through conversations that you've had liaison to liaison. Hey, you really need to check out this great school. You really need to check out this great teacher. You really need to check out this great, this group of people that's banded together and doing great work. So through those conversations, that's where that, you know, we are better together. That's where that comes from. And so many great concepts and topics have come just from having conversations about somebody great that other people should know about. And then everybody gets to know about it. And that's where you end up with your, with your award. Yeah. That happened through a liaison telling you, you've got to talk to this great teacher. Yeah. And her story was phenomenal. Yeah. So yeah, I was just going to say to put a pin on, to put a pin on all that, that that's why the podcast has been recognized by by the governor's committee and uh, with the Barbara Jordan Media Award. That's that's a huge honor. And just we are we are at TEA. We are incredibly proud of y'all and the work that you've done. And I'm so happy that you've been recognized this way. Well, I, I don't want to speak for Pam, but I can tell you or the rest of the group. But I've always felt um, 
just appreciative to yourself, Justin, to TEA, to Jennifer, uh, you know, to the liaison group that we've been kind of given some autonomy to let this thing take shape because, uh, you know, I, I truly believe the success of SPED Talk really hinges on the success of all those people we're bringing in. It has nothing to do with Pam and I. It's just, we just happen to have come together and been enough different and enough alike to be able to tolerate each other <laughs> and, and sometimes enjoy each other's company probably. But, you know, and then the Barbara George Media Award really, I think is it really is validation to the work that TEA is doing, to the liaison project, to the positive things that are going on across the state in the area of special education. It's not all gloom and doom. There is some amazing, positive, sustainable change occurring in, in not just the actions, but in the minds of, of individuals out there that are seeing students in a different light. They're seeing them for their potential, for what they can do, for the possibilities that live within them. And so I think that's where, I mean, I, I was brought to almost tears uh, when we heard that we won the Barbara Jordan Media Award because I'm one of those people that seems to be this outward um, confident person, but I'm very insecure and have a lot of anxiety and um, struggle with learning as I have my whole life. And so that's, you know, we all have our whys and, and Pam said special ed's been her thing her whole life and my whole thing has been struggle, you know, and so even, and of course in education, it's been special education. And I think I gravitated to special education because I was that kid you know whether you called me special or not I didn't fit I struggled to learn I and somehow have found my place in the world and so sped talk for me has been in some ways kind of a healing thing that it has uh, said hey you know my efforts are good enough and so I just thank each of you for your contributions I know you know Pam and I are this is a tag team duo here, but we've got a lot of people behind us. Lydia, Jen DeLeon, I mean, Monica, uh, Evan, you know, we have this huge group of support that makes this happen. And so we are just so blessed and thankful for each of you and the contributions you play into SPED Talk. And if I could put a pitch out there to anybody listening that if you're trying to find something different, if you're looking to do something different and change systems and improve outcomes for kids, contact your ESC liaison. They are they are ready and willing to help. Well, Pam, what do you think? What, last words? Should we we need to wrap this up or yeah, we're just going we to keep going? We've got up. the state director. I mean, we maybe we hold him hostage for a little while. We'll talk another hour or two. No. We're not going to hold him hostage. That, that's frowned upon, okay? okay. I think okay. I'm having some internet issues. My internet's getting okay. weak. Oh, oh, what's happening? Hey, if I'm on this thing, we start on time, we end on time. Yes, no, Exactly. Exactly. No, we really thank you yeah. both for being here with us and, and sharing your insights and and we really appreciate the support you've given us in SPED Talk. Uh, like I said, it was just something we thought we could do. And you guys didn't go, oh, what are they doing? <laughs> Make them stop. And you just said, okay, <laughs> let's, let's see what this, where this goes. Oh, well, it's thanks, been great. thanks to y'all. Yeah, thanks to y'all for sure. And congratulations again. Yeah, congratulations. Thank Very you. exciting. All right, guys. And Jennifer P., thank you so much for your time. It was really a pleasure being able to visit with you. Thank you. Absolutely. Anytime. We're happy to come back anytime. Alrighty. We're going to hold you to that. <laughs> John, tell everyone how they can continue to elevate the conversation about special education in Texas. You got it, Pam. They can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SPEDTALK2020.
Because in these disconnected times, connecting with others has never been so important. Now more than ever, it takes courage to create culture and kindness to keep us connected. If you enjoyed this episode of SPED Talk, be sure to share it with a friend because information should always flow through us, not to us. We couldn't do this without you, our listeners, and we need your help sharing the amazing transformation occurring in special education. Together, we can change the trajectory of learning opportunities in Texas for students with disabilities. If you have ideas, information, or resources that you think we should share on an upcoming episode of SPED Talk, let us know at SPED Talk 2020 on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And be sure to like our page while you're there. Oh yeah, and if you get a chance, please consider giving us a positive review on the podcast platform that you listen to SPED Talk. Elevate the gunner.